this next podcast is quite interesting. It refers to a situation we've experienced a few times with our candidates where the worldwide managing partner, for all intents and purposes, the CEO of the firm, directly calls the candidate and encourages them to accept that firm's offer over another firm. Now, before I go to this podcast, I must be very honest and say this is not something that happens a lot. Uh, I think we've only had like six or seven of our clients' experiences, maybe more. It's not something we actually have tracked before. We've only started tracking this recently. But I do know of about five or six that that's happened and two have happened recently. So just be aware, it's not huge numbers here, right? It's, it's It's a rare moment, you know. Uh, when this happens, and it's it's a it's a, something that to be proud of, you know, the fact that you've you've created such a positive impression of yourself that the CEO is calling you. And what we're going to talk about is how do you make that decision? How do you make a decision to join one firm over another firm, and in effect, actually turning down the firm where the where the CEO is calling you? Because it's not as easy as it looks, and most people get you know sucked into the wrong um, decision-making criteria. So. The decision-making criteria we've helped our clients use here is something that you can apply for yourself if you've got multiple offers. It doesn't have to be with McKinsey or BCG. You could apply this if, you know, although we don't work with clients trying to gain to Deloitte and Accenture, uh, you could apply it to those firms as well. The thinking pattern is still the same. The next point I want to make here is that, you know, don't just think that when I talk about this canvas, I'm talking about guys that went to elite schools like, you know, INSEAD and, you know, HEC in France or you know, one of, I don't know, Harvard, Stanford, or whatever it is. Most, in fact, all of the clients we've had who've had experiences haven't actually gone to what I would call great schools. One candidate, I remember, um, I had to actually look up his school before he joined the program because I'd never really heard of that school before. So it's not that, it's what made these candidates so exceptional is not the fact that they went to great schools, but I think that they were good at cases and they were very not confident, but self-assured, mostly. So don't just think that this applies to people going to these illustrious schools. None of these people went to Ivy League schools that have had this opportunity to engage the senior partner, the worldwide managing partner, trying to convince them to take the offer. No, it was people that I would say um, were just outstanding in their own right. And the final point I want to make is that this is a unique situation to the offices and partners involved. And this is a very important point I want to drive home. For example, when I talk about a case here whereby, you know, someone had the managing partner of Bain calling them worldwide, basically the CEO, and they turned down um, Bain for BCG, doesn't mean that in every single situation you should turn down Bain for BCG. These are context-specific situations. And in another case where I'll talk about how someone, you know, turned down, I don't know, B, uh, McKinsey for BCG or BCG for McKinsey, uh, again, it's it's very context-specific, so don't assume the rule applies to every office. It does not, and it would be a mistake to take that forward. So the first example I'm going to talk about is about a PhD who had uh, the worldwide managing partner for Bain call him to accept an offer. And the interesting thing about this candidate is that he, we never actually placed him. He wasn't our client. He became our client once he got in and it got these two offers. He prepared by himself, but he felt that um, you know he needed to make the most of it. So he retained us. As you know, we do train consultants and we worked with him. So we didn't have this you know, long track record. And that's the important point I'm trying to drive home here. We didn't have this long track record of understanding this guy's profile to know what is best for him. It is, you know, a little bit of a crash course for us to understand who this person is, what's his ambitions, 
What is his skill set? What does he need to develop in the future? And which firm would be best for him? The model we use to make this decision is very simple. We ask the candidate four questions, basically. The first question, let's assume Bain made the offer after BCG in this case. Did the tone and manner of interaction of Bain changed after they have realized that BCG had made you an offer? Now, this is a very important point. I believe that if you are exceptional, you should be treated exceptional irrespective of the supply and demand dynamics on your profile. What I mean by that is that, what I mean by that is that, you know, if you are good, Bain or any other firm, I'm just using it as an example here, should always treat you the way you deserve. It doesn't matter if you have another elite firm courting you, right? They should treat you the way you need to be treated. Because to me, if a firm is only going to change its tone and demeanor when someone else wants you, what does that mean for when you actually join the firm and the firm has more oversight over your career? They know what you have access to, they know your options, you basically have less leverage when you're in the firm. Does that mean that they're going to withhold promotions and opportunities because you have no other avenue to get it? So it's a very worrying point for me. And in this particular case, yes, he told me yes, the Bain's behavior did change once he told them BCG made him the offer. They, uh, you know, there was a lot of activity on their end trying to get people to call him um, trying to get small senior people to call him. They also bumped up his salary by 12%, and eventually that culminated with the managing partner calling him. So for me, it's a strike against a firm if they see if you, they show a dramatic change in their behavior just because you've been courted by someone else. That should not be the case. They should always treat you the way you deserve to be treated, not just when you're about to be lost. The second thing we asked is that, yes, every firm is making a hard sell, but what is the nature of the hard sell? Are they commenting about other firms' businesses? Are they talking down about other firms? And are they promising you things that they cannot reasonably promise you? Like, for example, are they telling you, well, we're growing faster, we can make partner here faster than the other firm, or you know, this other firm retrenched people recently, therefore you should work for us because we don't retrench people. You know, an elite firm, now you'd be surprised, but firms do this quite often, actually, for good candidates. And when a firm tell when a firm speaks ill of another firm it is very bad. There is no condition, there is no situation under which you can comment on your competitors ever. I mean, people know when they, for example, approach us, we just say we don't talk about other firms. We'd rather just talk about ourselves, and that's the rule we follow when we talk to external people and internally. No comments on anyone else. It is not professional. It doesn't convey the right image. And frankly, you shouldn't be worried about other people if you're in a class of one, because there is no competition. So, I felt in this case that, in this case, against a unique case, I'm not saying the firm does this everywhere, because I know in certain in other situations they've acted very well, and in many situations they've acted very well, but in this particular case, they did speak ill of BCG, I felt, you know, talking about how BCG had recently retrenched people, Bain was forced to hire them, and the fact that, you know, Bain would give him a quicker part to partner because it was a smaller office, growing faster, more opportunities, and I told, told him, look, they can't promise you that. At the end of the day, you do badly, they're going to manage you out. So, it's it's kind of unprofessional for them to make to be making these promises which anyone with a half a brain would realize cannot be with you know cannot be honored third thing we look at is whether they're bumping up your salary to me this is a very simple point but it's a very important point
An elite firm should be offering you less money. Why? Because the mere fact that you have that elite firm on your resume and the training you get from that firm means that the value you generate in the long term vastly exceeds the value you get in the short term. I remember reading a book about Kravath, the elite um, uh, law firm, and also the Goldman Sachs story is actually quite good, the book Leadership, right? Uh, it's, called, sorry, it's called The Partnership, the story of Goldman Sachs. I think it's Charles D. Ellis wrote the book. And when Gus Levy ran uh, Goldman Sachs, he said that... Um, we should pay people a little bit less than our competitors because we want them to work for us and we are the best firm. So we don't have to pay them anything extra. They're getting something extra just by working at Goldman Sachs. Now you can argue as much as you want about whether Goldman Sachs is evil, but that's your opinion. The fact is it's regarded as one of the most, if not the most elite firm in financial services. And it remains that way. The same thing with a consulting firm. No matter what a consulting firm says, if they're going to offer you more money to work for them to pull you away from a competitor, they're basically saying, you know what, we know that in your eyes we are not worth as much, so we're going to give you some extra money. Which basically says that we know that in the elitism structure we're a little bit lower, so we're going to pay you extra to want to work for us. So when a firm offers more salary, I'm very dubious about it. Because no matter what they say, their actions are not corresponding with that. Right? It does not make sense. So, the fourth and final test. Do you feel there was someone in that organization, a partner, that you connected with and that you sincerely believe would put your best interests first when he mentored you and would want to mentor you? If you don't have the answer to that question, I want you to go back to the firm, speak to some of the partners and ask them the direct question, will they personally mentor you and guide you? If you cannot find that mentoring at the firm, don't join the firm. It's that simple. And in fact, we're basically pricing the value of a mentor here. If a firm offers you $30,000, but another firm offered you a better mentor, then obviously the value of that mentor was worth more than $30,000. And let me tell you something. $30,000, when you discount that back based on the time value of money, it's worthless. You are much better off taking a salary cut, joining an elite firm, working with an outstanding partner, being trained by him, improving your skills and increasing your net worth as opposed to your income. Now, in this particular situation, Bain did drive the hard sell. They did change their tone. They did offer more money, but they couldn't put a mentor on the table that was sincere. It was almost as if when the guy asked for a mentor, then they threw it up rather than putting it up first. And the candidate did tell me, we had many discussions, a few, many, I think many, because if you count in the Skype discussions, we have an email, there were a few discussions, yeah, and we had a few phone calls. Now, I asked him very simply, which partner do you trust? Do you really feel was sincere about putting your interests first? And had a discussion about you, not about the competitors, not about how great the firm was, but about your development. Do you trust him? And that's who he went with. Let me give you another example, right? This one involves McKinsey and BCG. Here, the BCG worldwide partner called the candidate. This candidate has a master's degree, but not an MBA. A good school, but not, you know the Ivy Leagues, and so on. And same rule we went through with him, right? So in this case, it's quite interesting because while he had a master's degree, um, McKinsey started the interview process with him a little later, not much, but about two weeks, three weeks after BCG. A BCG made him a, a position of sort of a senior kind of, a senior, it was a consultant level, entry level, but they wanted to give him sort of a senior level off the entry level, which is basically nothing, you know, you can call him whatever you want, but you're a consultant entry level. 
And um, we had a lot of discussions. I must say, the can this candidate and I are quite close, even though we placed him a long time ago. We maintain strong contact even till today. So I've been, I've been able to watch his career and guide it and give him very detailed feedback in terms of how he needs to respond. And I felt that, you know, BCG basically treated him very average throughout the process. Um, I did feel that they were not as professional as they should have been. They weren't that responsive to his emails. When he did raise the question of saying, you know, um, could you give me some feedback in terms of, you know, very respectful, because I checked all his emails, of, of why, of how I could be positioned for a, um, you know, um, consultant level, what do I need to do? And I made a mistake earlier. They actually made him the offer of the associate level, which is entry level for BCG. I got the titles mixed up there. They didn't respond initially. He then had to send a follow-up email. Then they said, well, you know, we've basically, we don't think you're ready. Uh, what we can do is promise you that we'll take a lot of care in your development and we'll get you there when you need to get there. So I said, fine. I can understand that, but I do feel that they're not answering your question. And then he was quite disappointed with the process. And he was so tired of interviews that he wanted to just accept it. I said, don't do that. You have to go through the McKinsey process. I'm not saying they're better, but you have to be able, you have to know that you pick BCG by comparing all the options. Don't have regrets in life. It's, like, it's just going to be three more weeks of interviews. So he goes to the McKinsey process and McKinsey brings him in at the associate level at McKinsey is one level above than the associate level at BCG. And he then accepts the offer and then he goes to a, I forget the term that they were using, but an event for the new hires, the new, the new people offers were made to uh, at BCG to have a discussion about you know, convincing them to sign some kind of dinner. And he didn't mention to them that McKinsey had made him the offer yet. So I told him, look, I think it's important you let BCG know McKinsey has made you an offer for a more senior level because it's important that they know that, so they know why you're declining. So he sent them the office the response saying, McKinsey has made me an offer at this level, uh, and I'm inclined to take it because it's obviously um, at a more senior level, and I think it's more appropriate for my skills and performance. And BCG responded by, firstly, a few emails went around. Then, uh, first they didn't want to make him the offer, they wanted to match salary. Then they matched the titles consultant at um, BCG, which is the equivalent of, of associate at McKinsey, and they offered him 33% more salary. 33% is a lot of money more. Uh, but my sticking point to him was that same thing like in the previous example. Why didn't they treat you this way when they didn't know McKinsey was after you? Does it mean that every single time you want something from them, you've got to put yourself into play? Do you know how stressful that is? Does that mean every single time you want a promotion, you have to pretend with the firm that you're looking to leave for something better, joining McKinsey? Do you want to work in an organization like that? I also felt that BCG did put the hard sell on him. They sat him down and talked about how McKinsey was firing people, how they ended up hiring a lot of the McKinsey people, brought in those McKinsey people that BCG had hired to say how much better BCG is and how the part to partnership is a lot quicker because they're growing and McKinsey has been in the region for a longer time, a large office, so they've reached you know critical mass. Salary was obviously higher, which again, when your salary is higher, that means your brand is worthless in the region or worthless. Sorry, not worthless, but worthless. Two words, not one word. And finally, you know, I tell him, look, forget about all of those three things. They are important, but the, the trump card here is your mentor. Which of these partners that you spoke to do you trust to mentor you? 
don't worry i know your wife's going to be worried about the salary but you know you've got to think big picture here thirty thousand dollars for let's assume two years and then you become then you move to the next level if you they've already paying you so much the salary bump up is not going to be another thirty thousand dollars because they're paying you really close to the next level right so so don't just think of that well you've got a big salary increase here thirty thousand dollars more you need another thirty thousand another fifty or whatever it is no they, they they've done this before the economics must work for them they'll pay you a high salary now close to your next level when you get promoted they won't give you a big increase so the economics will work out in the long term so so forget about the salary increase you've got to ask yourself which partner do you feel do you trust to develop you and mentor you when things are going to be rocky and believe me they will be rocky you're going to struggle you're going to want to pull out your hair on some days maybe even you'll succeed and have little bald patches and you have to wear a cap when you go to the office and so on but the point is this these are the three criteria and I think when all candidates are thinking this too, when a firm throws a lot of money at you, always ask yourself, why would they do that if their image was so, if they had such a strong image in the market? It's the first thing. The second thing is that, does their tone change when they realize that you're in play? And, and extrapolate that to what it means for your future career. When you've got children and the firm doesn't want to promote you, what do you do then? Send out your resume and try to hold them hostage? No. Do they hard sell you by talking down on competitors a professional firm will never speak ill of competitors they will never do that and finally is there someone there that will mentor you a mentor is not someone who's nice to you a mentor is someone who will pull you kicking and screaming into reality right tough love let's put it that way so those are the things you need to consider as always um, we obviously took the road less traveled with both candidates here and asked them to not be enamored with the managing partner calling you because the managing partner is going to forget about you when you join. I can I can assure you of that. What does it mean that the managing partner has called you? It means that it just so happens that one of the partners you interviewed with happens to be close enough to the managing partner to get them to do that. That's it. It's not like there's this huge system around the firm whereby they're filtering up talented people up to the managing partner and putting them into a special file with a bright red star and it's saying this is the elite top 200 we've got to keep them in the system nurture them every no it doesn't work that way yes it does work like that for a few people in a few offices which are well organized but the reality is that the odds of you being in that group is very slim so be wary of being seduced by the call of the CEO. Apply diligent, apply the skills the consulting firms expect you to apply. Ruthlessly analyze the pros and cons and be willing to live with the downside. To quote Gus Levy again of Goldman Sachs, when you do a deal, don't care, don't worry about the upside. It's the downside you have to worry about. When this goes wrong, can you live with the consequences? If not, don't do the deal.